0: center is kind of a little different. A little different. because a lot of our folks have family members um, who are. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you can you Go ahead and put it on her. On I love light. These are like in your book. Where should I put them? Yeah. How about right here? Wow, that is super bright. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> <Well>, that's <laughs> all right. Oh, that's okay. Hey, why not, right? Uh. So anyway, so uh, all of these pastors are really happy that people are here for the holiday, and of course here, uh, all of our folks are uh, with their families this morning, in fact, uh, uh, Pam Ludwig, uh, my assistant, she uh, wrote to me last night saying, well, my uh, uh, my uh, kids always expect me to make Easter dinner, so I gotta go do that, is that okay, and I'm like, sure, so anyway, uh, before we start the Dharma talk, we have a tiny bit of business to attend. Uh, maybe about five minutes or less of business to attend to. So uh, before the Dharma talk, I'd like to hand things to peeps. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they remind me of peeps, you know. Okay, I, I learned about peeps jousting a year or two ago from my friend Aaron Blue. So, yeah, okay, By great. Way. Yeah, That's no, quite all right. No, it's all right, yeah. Well, we have to, you know, you know. Passover—it's—it's it's a thing, you know. We do it. We do it every year. If, if there was, you know, no Passover, there probably wouldn't be Easter. So we gotta—we gotta have some respect here. Okay, here we go. So, uh, good morning. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks again uh, to uh, Kim uh, uh, for um, uh, taking the first part of the program, and uh, and also I want to uh, recognize. Uh, uh, the other, uh, board members who are here. Let's see who else is here. Uh, Justin is here and, uh, also, let's see. Mm-hmm, Michelle. Okay. I think this is it for now. Okay. Well, anyway. And then also all of the, um, uh, the volunteers and helpers who have been keeping things rolling during, uh, the past, uh, months. It's uh, been a, it's been a lot of work. And so I just want to thank all of you for your service, uh, to help us. In the last few months, uh, as we've been working through uh, a few a, a few difficulties here and there, like not having a building. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so okay. So this morning, um, the the topic is uh, making your dharma into a path. Uh, I um, was asked to um, give a. a uh, some talks uh, actually what they asked me to is because you know we're, we're, we're getting a, a podcast um, where are we going to be are we going to be on iTunes we're going to be on iTunes or we are on iTunes or soon soon oh oh oh, oh that means I have to work okay uh, that's another that's also on my assignment list from yesterday I forgot about that sorry about that I'll, I'll do that uh, today I'll, okay llama to do list <laughs> Write podcast description. Okay, got it. We're going to start uh, having a podcast um, on iTunes. And, uh, and so they said, well, you know, it'd be really sweet if, um, if you could, uh, like, you know, tell us in advance what you're going to teach about. And I said, golly, that's new. <laughs> so, uh, so I decided that I would start with a series. And so the series of classes I'm going to start um, are on the uh, four dharmas of Gampopa. And so um, I'd like to begin by reciting them. Nice copies, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Kim. Uh, if somebody could help me by handing these out, I hope. Uh, do we have enough? There's 30 people here, so I think we did it. You can take a, each take a half of the room. Yeah. You can also you can also give out the Easter eggs, but you know, it's hard to. <laughs> It's so hard to let go. I'm just. I I I went looking. I'm going to get a basket. When oh my gosh, a Gumby bunny, a Gumby bunny. Oh boy. All right. Who said it wasn't fun being a Buddhist? On Easter. (laughs) Ever. How did we do? Do we have some left? Everybody got one? I'll come to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll come to you. I'll come to you. This is good. Okay. So um, uh, this, uh, we'll start by reading this in uh, English and um, we'll read it three times in, in English and then I'll uh, give a little introduction to the talk series and then Um, I'll talk about the second of the four topics today, and then you can go to the website to listen to the previous one, and uh, we'll be able also to check out the website for the subsequent ones. So uh, we'll uh, recite uh, the four dharmas of Gampopa in English uh, three times. Grant your blessings so that my mind and that of all sentient beings may be one with the dharma. Grant your blessings so that dharma may progress along the path. Grant your blessings so that the path might clarify confusion. And grant your blessings so that confusion may appear as wisdom. Grant your blessings so that my mind and that of all sentient beings may be one with the dharma. Grant your blessings so that dharma may progress along the path. Grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. Grant your blessings so that confusion may appear as wisdom. Grant your blessings so that my mind and that of all sentient beings may be one with the dharma. Grant your blessings so that dharma may progress along the path. Grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. Grant your blessings so that confusion may appear as wisdom. Okay, very good. Um, and, um, we'll, um, we'll collect these at the end, uh, unless you'd really like to take one home. If you'd really like to take them home, you can leave a little donation in the donation box. Any size, you know, thousand dollars, anything you like to. (laughs) We are building a building, after all. So uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, if you'd like to take this home, you can. Uh, but um, otherwise, the, the box will be here after, we can use them again because we'll recite them now uh, each class. So um, uh, once again, the topic is the the four dharmas of Gampopa. The sub theme really is uh, turning your mind toward the Dharma and making the Dharma your path. A lot of folks tell me that they um, they love the philosophy of Buddhism. It really appeals to them. They'll read uh, Buddhist books or Buddhist literature and say, wow, this is what I have believed or thought for much of my life. Or this is what I have come to believe about the world. The emphasis, the Buddhist emphasis on love and compassion, nonviolence, Caring for others and benefiting others is a very appealing philosophy. And uh, so that's a good place to begin our Dharma practice, our Dharma path. It's very good to begin with this kind of admiration and appreciation for the historical Buddha who lived 2,500 years ago in India, for uh, all of his followers, the men and women who have followed his philosophies and been the dharma community or the sangha ever since the time of the Buddha. So having this sense of appreciation for them is uh, the beginning of dharma for most of us. It's You could say it's the beginning of devotion. The Tibetan word for devotion is mugu. Uh, one word is enthusiasm and the other is respect. Starting with the respect for those who... Uh, practice meditation and uncover their Buddha nature and their Buddha qualities, that is how we begin, with admiration for those who have actually accomplished the uncovering of their Buddha qualities and the living out of their Buddha qualities. So we start with this admiration which turns into respect, which then becomes enthusiasm as we begin to practice the things they teach us as we begin to practice the Dharma that is taught to us, there's a a small change that arises within us. And that small change comes from actually taking the philosophy, which we admire so much, and taking it out of the realm of theory. We're taking it out of the realm of the theoretical. It's no longer just an intellectual interest or an intellectual exercise. We take it out of the realm of theory and apply it to our lives. And and in that motion of taking it from theory and putting it into reality, a change begins to happen within us. Or at least, that's the idea. It doesn't always happen exactly like that. Or it might happen for a little while, and then we sort of forget. We thought, oh yeah i I love Dharma, and we start to meditate and then, after we've been meditating for a few weeks, we see some improvement and we uh we feel more relaxed and we feel better about our lives and about other people and then we get busy, and when we get busy, we just don't have time to meditate anymore and it, we sort of say, well you know that was that was then, this is now and I'm doing something different now. I actually met a person once who said, "Yeah, I did that Buddhism thing when I was younger." <laughs> like it's a factor of youth. That was really great. The guy had gray hair, and so my the guy had gray hair, and, and so I said, "I said, well, that's really. I'm so happy you got something out of it." I said, uh, "I said, but you know, uh, I said people like you and me with with this gray hair. I said, you know, we got to be thinking toward the future now." The past and the present, you know, they're just, they're just a blip in time. You know, what we have to be thinking about right now is what kind of Dharma practice do we want to do when we leave this world? He excused himself from the conversation. (laughs) I, you know, I, I do this to people sometimes. I apologize in advance. Uh, but at any rate, what happens is, is that when we, uh, when we stop doing Dharma because we have a moment of comfort, it does happen for all of us, I think, at some point that we take a break from Dharma because our lives become more comfortable. And so when we, uh, when we take that break, we sort of lose the thread of connection that we had to our everyday practice and the benefits that came from meditating every day and making aspirations every day. So then we have the embarrassing moment when we realize that we have gone somewhat distant from the dharma that we have treasured so much. And then we begin to feel a little guilty. And then after we feel a little guilty, then we begin to uh, uh, to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And then, uh, then uh, for some people now, this, this can go a couple different ways. For some people, that brings them uh, back to dharma. In a big way. For other people, it it doesn't. Uh, my dad, who was um, uh, my dad, who was uh, I really admired my dad. He passed away a number of years ago. My dad was a, a fixture at many local Columbus AA meetings, and uh, and so he liked to talk the philosophy of the twelve steps of recovery. And he told me about a, an AA uh, story. They have a lot of uh, parables in AA. And one of the parables is called the 100-pound telephone. You remember telephones? They had a receiver. You remember them? Yeah. We, we used to have those. Anyway, and uh, the way this story goes is that, that uh, the first day that you don't check in with your sponsors or your friends in the, in the recovery fellowship, it's like uh, the telephone gains a, a few ounces of weight. And then maybe the second day you don't call them, then it's a little heavier, and then it's a little heavier. Every day you sort of say, well, not today. And then, and then after that the, the phone gets kind of heavy, and so it, it's, it's as though you couldn't possibly pick up the receiver. It's so heavy. And what makes it heavy is the negative feeling we have about having been away. And so, what I tell people is when they come to me and they say, well, I've been away for so long, I always say, no problem. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. You do it, everybody does it. The important thing is that you're here right now. Fantastic. Let's have a conversation. Let's do something together. Let's let's recite some mantra together or turn our mind towards something positive. And so um, this is something that I want everybody to understand that this process of attempting to take Dharma from theory and put it into practice in your everyday life, is sort of a start and stop affair. You know, we might start it and then stop and then start and then stop. But the key piece is that we always retain that admiration and respect that we have for the Dharma. And as long as we always maintain that admiration and respect for the Dharma, like, I would love to do that someday, then it's without doubt that we will do it, that we absolutely will do it. And that it, we will uh, slowly make it more and more a part of our life. And it will lighten that telephone every single day. Every single day. Um, one, uh, one of uh, my teachers once said, uh, "If if you're wishing to do your Dharma practice and you can't quite get to it, that's still good. That's still good because as long as Dharma is on your mind, it is never far from you. It is never far from you. And uh, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because the, the topic today is the second of these four verses. The first verse was, Grant your blessings so that my mind and that of all sentient beings may be one with the Dharma. Basically is, may my mind follow the Dharma is the theme of the first, was the theme of the first talk. It was more about, the first talk was more about the admiration we feel. And the second talk is going to be about taking that dharma from theory into reality. And that's why I wanted to talk sort of realistically about the start and stop nature of dharma practice so that you don't worry too much. If you have a burst of enthusiasm and a burst of being able to do dharma practice that then wanes a bit, don't worry about that because it does happen. The reason that it happens is because of a little secret, and that secret is Dharma works. Because Dharma works. Dharma actually works. It actually begins to change our mind. Because it works, we get a feeling of comfort with it. We get a real feeling of comfort with Dharma. Like, wow. This uh, this is really helping me. When we do meditation and we let go of thoughts, you've all experienced this. We've all sat in meditation and struggled with the technique, like I can watch the out-breath but then the in-breath kind of gets away from me and then I go somewhere. But when we remember to bring our attention back, when we remember to bring our attention back again and again and again, when we keep bringing our attention back, we get stronger. And as we get stronger, we are able to let go of the distraction more quickly. And then that makes us feel even stronger, because, wow, I let go of a big, hairy, ugly thought. I let go of one. Wow, that there is a sense of empowerment that comes with that, a feeling of, yes, I can do this. Because as we do this, we, have, we gain the ability to begin to let go of all kinds of thoughts. I met a person who once said that uh, he was a professional worrier, And uh, and I said, well, good, because I grew up in a family of worriers. And being able to let go of a single thought in meditation made me think I could actually get a handle on worrying. Because what is worry but the repeated thinking of something in the hopes that repeatedly thinking about something will change it. If you think about it hard enough, it's going to change. Of course, as we know, it doesn't work that way. It just creates the Karma, or creates the habit of worrying some more. Uh, So this is why this second uh, phrase is so important to us. The first phrase is about having admiration for the Dharma and wanting to follow it. The second phrase is about following the Dharma and making it our life, which is not always easy. I frequently tell the story of uh, people ask me, well, what did the three-year retreat do for you? What did the three year what what did going into three year retreat do for you? And I said it it let me know that the Dharma I needed to be a real Dharma practitioner and not just a hobby Buddhist. It turned me from a hobby Buddhist into a Buddhist Buddhist. Because I was sort of an admiration person. I love Dharma and I, I like to kind of play around practicing and chanting and all that kind of stuff. But when push came to shove, I would go a little crazy and do my old habits. But once I got into retreat, I had Dharma was all that was on TV. You see, we didn't have radio, we didn't have newspapers, we didn't have the internet. It was just being invented. The, the, The internet was just being invented while I was in retreat. I got out of retreat and my husband's driving me home and he's telling me about this wondrous thing called the internet that happened while I was gone. That in the O.J. Simpson trial, but that's another matter. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Every single three-year retreat group misses something big, something major in American society. I have a feeling that the the group that's in now is going to be really happy to be in. They may, yeah, they may decide to stay in for four rather than three. But um but they may want to get out in time to vote. Anyway, so did I say that out loud? <laughs> bad llama, bad llama, bad llama. So, uh, but in any in any event, in any event, um, I felt as though being in retreat was useful because you really couldn't avoid it yourself because uh, you were you were inside the fence of the three-year retreat compound. You couldn't leave nice big yard but you know couldn't leave and then you were within the confines of the building where you had to spend most of your day we were allowed walks you know multiple times a day and go out multiple times a day which I did in all weather yeah it's, it's great the sky is my buddy and then um, uh, and then you're enclosed in the schedule starts at 4:15 in the morning and ends like at 9:15 at night. And then uh, you're also enclosed in the curriculum of study. You study this, then this, then this, then this, and then finally you're within the confines of your room, where you spend, uh, let's see, about twelve hours a day, because the other four or so is are spent in community at the meals and at we have a morning and evening chant, and so. So, and then finally you're sort of like in your room. And inside the practice that you're doing. And it gets a little claustrophobic at times. Which is the idea. Because this way you can't escape. You might try to daydream your way out of being right there. But you, it's really, it's really useless. What is it? Resistance is futile. As they say in the science fiction movies, right? So, um, so. Uh, being in retreat helped me to understand this second phrase, making Dharma your path. Because when you would get, when, I don't know how you are, but when I would get frustrated before retreat, I would, uh, you know, reach for something that would comfort me. You know, turn on the TV. Remember, this was before the internet. Turn on the TV, uh, call somebody and gossip, um, you know, Eat an Easter egg. Um, do something that would allow me to avoid feeling what I was feeling and being where I was. And, uh, as we know, this type of behavior is, this avoidance behavior can be very damaging. And, uh, because it takes us farther away from who we are. It takes us into an imaginary place where we imagine who we are and uh, it can be very painful. But if we are able to, in the moment of feeling pain or difficulty, if we are able to just be there, just be there with it and apply to that pain the mediating factor of dharma, whether it's dharma philosophy, dharma psychology, dharma meditation, Uh, dharma uh, practices, prayers, mantras, and so forth, whether we can actually apply dharma to the pain we're feeling. It's not that we are being asked to just sit with the pain. Although that is also a method, it's not the easiest method for some folks, and they need something to help mediate that. And so what they're given, for example, is the practice of compassion, or tong len, Tong means to send and len means to take. And so tong len, you feel the pain, and then you think other people are feeling it right now on this planet or elsewhere. This exact same pain is being felt by someone somewhere. I will think of them. I will bring them to mind, and I will bring them close to me, and I will imagine as I breathe out that I give to myself to myself and to all beings. I give to myself and all beings healing and goodness on the out-breath. On the in-breath, I will remove and um, comfort their suffering. Out-breath, give them happiness. In-breath, remove their suffering. And then we do this as a mediating factor to the pain we are feeling. The pain we are feeling. And the other thing one can do is one can imagine the presence of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, beings who were once like us, confused and wandering in this world of suffering that the Buddha called samsara. The Buddhas and Bodhisattvas who were once just like us, wanderers, migrators they call them. Yeah, we're all refugees. Think about it. It's interesting. So, uh, the Buddhas who were once like us and who have become free from the, the suffering and pain of samsara, they are our inspiration. They're giving us teachings that help us get out. It's as though they're showing us the way out of, um, of a deadly burning building. They're showing us how to get out. And so if we think of them and bring them to mind and bring them close to us, and say their prayers and mantras, such as the Tara mantra, Om Tare Tu Tare Ture Soha, or the Chenrazi mantra, Om Manipemehong, or Karmapa's mantra, Karmapa Cheno. If we can think of mantras like this, then they are actually present with us to the extent that we place our attention upon them. And so you, we can use these techniques and methods as a mediation. For the pain. It doesn't make the pain go away. It doesn't magic, it's not a magic wand that makes the pain go away. But it gives purpose and meaning to the pain, if you know what I I mean. It's like we're able to put the pain in context, that it's not just about poor me or poor me, poor me. It's about all beings are feeling this way. I think of them too. And I gather them all to myself and i pray that all of us are uplifted and free this attitude just by itself is transformative and it's said in uh, in the great literature such as the the great path of awakening by john guncontrl in in his book he says that this bodhisattva attitude the attitude of the bodhisattva is transformational if we take it upon ourselves and use it And so this is how we make dharma into a path. We make dharma into a path so that it's no longer theoretical. It's no longer theoretical. It's something that we're taking hold of and making part of us. We have to do that. Otherwise, it just remains theoretical and then we remain hobby Buddhists, which is great. Uh, Hobbyists are great. it, it, It got me through. Being a hobby Buddhist got me through like 15 years and then I had to kind of get serious. And um, the three-year retreat made me do that, so it was kind of good. But if that had not happened, even being hobby Buddhist for 40 years is good, you know, So because because that creates, it creates a momentum of admiration and respect for Dharma that will actually carry through into our future lives. Because as one of my teachers once said, in this life, all we're doing is making habits. Think about that. When I first thought about that, kind of creeped me out a little bit. kind of creeped me out to think, oh my gosh, you mean all I'm doing in this life is making habits for the next life? Oh my goodness. What kind of habits am I making? Oh dear. You know, so um, uh, at first it kind of creeped me out a little bit, but then I saw the positive side of it. The positive side of it, which meant that I could change anything at any time. I could actually begin to change those habits. and changing those habits, I could become a different person, gradually and slowly. So making Dharma a path so that it's not theoretical is the second step toward transforming ourselves completely. Because you remember the, uh, the point of the first talk that we had about this was about Buddha nature, that we all have the potential to wake up. Everybody does. Everybody possesses a mind that can know itself and can know itself completely. Uh, Every person in this room, every being in this room, including the little dust mites in the carpet, have a mind. They know they are alive and they uh, want to be free. They yearn for uh, happiness, comfort, and freedom. And so we take on that wish to be happy and we apply the Dharma to ourselves in order to make it so and so this Dharma becoming a path is the next step, it's the next step and so that's why it's the second in these four verses. Not, may, not just may my mind be attracted by the Dharma, but may Dharma become my path and we have to, we have to make that choice every day, sometimes several times a day. Uh, on one of my uh, wedding anniversaries, my husband uh, got a card for me, or maybe it was the other way around, I don't remember now, uh, that said that uh, uh, marriage is not something that just happens once. It happens every single day of your relationship when you choose to continue to be with the person you're with. Every day you choose that person over and over again. You choose them when you get something for them that they've asked for. You choose them when you're patient with them, when they make you impatient. You choose them over and over again, uh, and that's what creates and makes that rela- relationship strong, is that you continuously make the choice. Well, it's that way with dharma. We continuously make the choice to do dharma. You know, we get those choices oh, probably about 10,000 times a day, <coughs> you know, such as, uh, what am I going to say to this person who just said something I don't like? What am I going to say to them? Like, or how, how am I going to get justice in this situation without turning into something awful? (laughs) Um, how am I going to, uh, how am I going to, uh, be the best person I can be and be present for this person who needs me? Uh, how am I going to not lose my temper when something uh, pokes me over and over again? This choice to do Dharma and to take the practices that mediate our pain, Take those practices and use the practices that mediate our pain. That choice that we make every single day, multiple times a day, that's how Dharma becomes a path. That's how it becomes a path. And, uh, and the next, um, step after that is using the Dharma to clear up your confusion. Both about Dharma, like, cause sometimes when people do Dharma, they get a little confused about what Dharma is and what it isn't and then also clear up their confusion about the nature of their mind. Because first, when we first start practicing Dharma, we think of Buddhahood as something way out there, far away. Somebody else did it 2,500 years ago. I'm not sure I can, but somebody did it, but I, and I admire that, but it's way out there. But, the, but we have to slowly uncover our own Buddha nature. If if we knew that from the first day, we'd probably say, mm, maybe not for me. That looks too hard. But the fact of the matter is that dharma is not that hard. The hard part is remembering to choose it over and over and over again. So next time we'll talk about, um, in the next talk we'll talk about how to use dharma to clarify confusion in dharma, the kind of mistakes we need to avoid in dharma to make uh, dharma uh, better and better. Right now, in this talk, we're just talking about how to make that choice. The one way, one uh, one strategy you can use to uh, make dharma your path is to try to remember it morning and evening. When you get up in the morning, uh, it may not be your first thought. Your first thought may have to do with coffee or something, but, but try to make your second thought I take refuge in the Buddha as my teacher, the Dharma as my path, and the Sangha as my community, and may I benefit sentient beings today. And then before you go to sleep at night, you can think, well, how was my day today? Oh, I did that all right. Oh, didn't do that so well. Mm. Well, tomorrow I will do better, and that I pray that tonight, wherever I, I take refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, as I go to sleep, and wherever I'm going in my dreams tonight, may I benefit beings there. May I benefit beings there, even in my dreams. And that ends your day. So if you think about it, that way you're covered. Kind of like 24 hours of Dharma. And that in the middle of the day, if somebody gives you something new, you first offer it to the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha as a gift. And then find out what's inside. A bendy bunny I have a bendy bunny and a balloon Okay. Then uh, and so this kind of thing happens to us multiple times a day when we receive things. A meal's put in front of us at the at, at home or at, at a shop and we look at it and say yum. But what if before we said yum yum, we mentally offered it to the Buddha Dharma and Sangha? What if we did that? So these are ways that you can remember dharma all day long. And if you feel pain and you recite mantras, that's remembering dharma all day long. And uh, if you hear about somebody who's uh, ailing or troubled and you recite mantras or say prayers for them or do tonglen for them, that's a way of remembering dharma all day long. So in that way, dharma becomes a path. It becomes what we reach for when we're not feeling... One hundred percent. So anyway, I could go on, but that might not be interesting. Um, We've got a we've got some time, and I don't know if you want to ask questions about this these ideas of making Dharma into a path, or if you want to talk about your personal challenge in making Dharma into a path, or uh, any other thing you might want to ask. Um, the, The the question microphone is open. So we can talk. We can have a conversation about Dharma. So questions, curiosities. We also could just sit and meditate. Got, got, yep. no. Okay. No questions. Yeah, we may we may have a question. Okay. Yes.
1: I just want to make this uh, observation. Yeah. I think it's just me. But, um, it, it's almost like uh, you can assimilate the four noble truths of the four of Gampopa.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that suffering. I
1: could go, I could, uh, go further into this, but... I,
0: yeah. No, I understand. That's that's an interesting idea. You know, I wonder about that because um, suffering's part of life. Suffering has a cause. Su- yeah. Suffering has a solution and there's a path that leads to the end of it. I, I wonder. Yeah that's, it. yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Thanks. Thanks for that observation. Yeah. Uh, there, there are lots of numbers in Buddhism. Uh, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Noble Path, and so forth. And people say, like, what's with the numbers already? And because it, it makes us all a little nuts, you know, number, 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 number. And but really, what it, it comes down to is, it comes down to helping us remember things when they're in a world where there were no books. How many people could have books? Not very many. And so, when uh, in a world with few books, you had to have methods for remembering things, and numbers help people remember. And that's, that's why. Another one that I thought was interesting was that the, uh, f- uh, the four foundations of mindfulness, which I'm having a problem remembering, form, feeling, anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So that they uh, are, are roughly uh, equivalent to the four thoughts that turn the mind toward Dharma, the precious human birth. Um, impermanence, uh, karma, and the defects of samsara, which I thought was really an interesting correlation. I had never heard that before, but, yeah, that was kind of cool. Other things that people might want to know? We've all had days like that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Alright, well then, uh, then, hey, yeah, that's, that's right. Well, yeah, the, in fact, I think, I uh, know, Lama Tom is teaching next week. I think it's the fourth, yeah, it's fourth Sunday, so Lama Tom will be here next week. So you have to come back several more times to hear, <laughs> I hear this because I, I'm out the first two weeks of May. So, uh, so, uh, basically what happens is, is that I'm not teaching next week and then I'm out two weeks, but then I'm back for two weeks. So uh, you'll you'll uh, get this uh, the the last two teachings in this series at the end of May, and that's where we talk about how we can use Dharma to clarify our confusion and how confusion can dawn as wisdom. So, uh, do we have a question? Are, 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 he's coming. He's heading toward the. Okay, I was just gonna give kids early dismissal here. That's it. Yeah. Hi.
2: I love my kitty.
0: Good morning. Thank you for being here.
2: One problem I notice with myself is uh, I would practice Dharma, uh, I mean, like meditate or whatever, in the morning. Uh huh. Then I go to work. Then I get all. It seems like my mind becomes kind of all messed up. Yeah. I have to come back and wash it again in the morning. Uh uh-huh. huh. Seems to kind of repeat that thing uh and the other that's so one thing how to make them better
0: <laughs> yeah okay oh did you have a second yeah
2: second question uh, one thing I noticed seems to that help me is the retreat I mean yeah not real retreat but I mean
0: yeah no
2: not a, not a retreat like you're talking about yeah more like being away from other people yeah I know <laughs> not anti-social but more no like, no you know, I know I seem to be able to maintain my uh, focus on dharma if I don't get yeah. affected by like other things or other True. people. Yeah. So I didn't know whether there's like uh, how I could kind of hide away from yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, no. During the life. The don't story. we all
0: feel like this sometimes? Yeah. I'm I so had. glad you brought this up. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you for the, I really appreciate those particular questions. They're very good. Uh the first one is uh is sort of like uh, going you know you start you start out with dharma in the morning and you're feeling pretty strong and then you go to work and it kind of gets mixed up right and then okay then you go home at night and you're 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 uh applying dharma and sort of like it's like washing it's like washing something that got dirty right yeah um i remember one of my teachers uh, used to say that it's it's kind of like that actually at first because at first uh, it's like we we're not able to bring it all together, all parts of the Dharma. We have the theoretical understanding, but we don't have the practical application. And so uh, I would compare it. I don't know. I don't know what example my teacher used, but I would compare it to like a wheel that's got like a flat spot in it. So it's like da 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 boom, da 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 boom, da. da you know, I mean, we're just not quite smooth. Or other application of dharma, and so uh, the the analogy of having to wash morning and evening is probably we're probably going to continue to have to do that, and to and to and to have that time, give ourselves that time in the morning and the evening to kind of, oh my gosh, we could call it mind washing, (laughs) (laughs) to kind of like you know to you know to purify and clarify our mind. And so I think that the, these two questions are actually related. If you think about it, they're actually related. We need to actually provide our, the space, right? The space to do our practice in the morning and in the evening so that we can kind of get over what's happening during the day. And then what has helped me the most during the day, really. this, uh, I'm just going to tell you what helped me. And if it helps you, great. If not, then we'll think of something else, you know. But um, what helped me the most was um, uh, incorporating into my attitude the wish to be of benefit to every single being I encounter. Um, It's a practice you have to get into the practice of, you know. And uh, you have to get into the habit of wishing to benefit people, even if you're mad at them. Like, you know, like, oh, you did something that hurt my feelings, but I, I you know, but I pray that I benefit you anyhow. <laughs> you know, because somebody asked the Dalai Lama, well, what's the first thing you think of when you get up in the morning? What, and somebody asked the Dalai Lama that question. What's the first thing you think of when you get up in the morning? And he said, I set my motivation. I set my motivation to be a benefit to sentient beings. Then I try to maintain that during the day. Not always easy, right? And I would say that that would be something you could try, to see if just maintaining the wish to be a benefit to people, even if people don't get you or don't like you. you know, Because in Shantideva, he says that, that if, you know, if a person looks at me with an attitude of anger or an attitude of devotion, may that thought actually bring them good to, to Buddhahood. So, Then the second part of your question is about uh, retreat. Um, yes, I think it's a, it's a necessary thing to do. Um, uh, the, most of the retreats that we do here are short. And I think that that's really practical. Because very few people in today's world can take more than a few hours off on a weekend because they have a lot to do. People work very hard to make a living. They have to work so hard. And that it's hard to make ends meet. So they, they need every hour of the day to help make a living. But, But on the weekends, if you can give them one hour, two hours, in which they can do some Dharma, that's a really good thing. Uh, what's the, what's the, we're doing a, is is it this weekend? When's the Shamatha retreat? Nundra retreat is Saturday, and then the Shamatha retreat is? Okay, yeah, so there's gonna be a a Shamatha retreat in June, and then next week there's a Nundra retreat. I think they're both a few hours long. And then in May, I'm doing a a Chenrezig retreat that's going to be like a morning, a two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. If you can sort of remove yourself for a few hours, this is really good. And just do dharma. That's a really a wonderful thing. You know, just being able to do a little bit of dharma.
2: Is there a way to do that during the work
0: time? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you.
2: Is there a way to do that during the like the work day? Like, I don't know. Oh, you mean to get to, uh, away
0: from people during the workday? Boy, bit, you know, I, it, it, is that what you said? Yes. How do I get away from people during my workday? How do you usually get away from people when you uh,
2: go to a room and reserve a room and stay there? And...
0: I think that's a wise choice, because if you need some time off from people during your workday and your workplace place allows that, then I would do it for sure. You know, I mean, you know, people who work in hospitals they have chapels. You know, people who work in offices maybe there's a quiet place they can go outdoors or indoor in the good weather, and you know, indoors in the bad weather. Uh, But uh, there's uh, three kinds of uh, of solitude. There's the physical solitude of being away from people. That's the first kind of solitude. Second kind is like the internal. Solitude of um, of not entertaining daydreams and not craving entertainment so that you can actually really put your mind to dharma. And then the third kind of, uh, of solitude is this, um, I guess you might call it the most inner kind of solitude where you're happy just to be with yourself. You're satisfied and enough. And I think that, um, that if you can cultivate those kinds of solitude, this is really good. Because there are some people who can cultivate the external solitude but not the two internal kinds. They go away from people and then they just daydream all day. Or, or check their cell phones. Excuse me, I have to look at my email. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. thank you. There's time for one more. There's one more question out there. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So uh, let's. Just, uh, is, so you 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 do have a question, or are you getting ready to leave? So what's that? I said I was about it. Yeah. Well, we have t- we have five minutes. So uh, yeah, yeah. It'll have to be a simple or a simpler one. You know, like uh, go 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 go. I don't know about that. Yeah, because. <laughs> If you want to tell a long story, this is not the time. <laughs> no, of course not. I would never do something like that. I'm just being pragmatic. Of course.
1: Um, quick question. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, through the texts and through teachings, from you know, teachings, you know, I hear. Um, I, heard, I hear terms thrown around, like, laziness mm-hmm. and other things like that. Mm-hmm. And... Sure. I mean, I don't you know as far as the lens of, you know, cultural mm-hmm. lens or whatever and, and how it's framed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that comes off to me as, like, evaluations or judgments. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I guess my question to you, because we're talking about the four mm-hmm. dharmas, is, mm-hmm. you know, how... Mm-hmm how to perceive that or how to put oh, sure. that in. Yeah. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, for instance, an example of, like, laziness, mm-hmm. you know, which I hear Tibetan teachers in, in, mm-hmm. in texts a lot mm-hmm. use. You know, in my experience, you know, it's not necessarily, a, well, in a roundabout way it's a character defect, but, mm-hmm. you know, usually that's about, you know, anxiety, mm-hmm. sure, perfectionism, Oh sure. oh sure. freezing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fear, you know, a, yeah, a fear sure. of some sort. Oh, sure. And, and then, you know, you hear the term laziness, and uh-huh, it's like, sure. okay.
0: Yeah. Okay, sure, I can, I can talk about that. I think, Is that brief enough? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's great. Um, the, in Gampopa's book, The Jewel Ornament of Liberation, he talks about the three kinds of laziness. There's the laziness that's indolence, mm-hmm. where you just want to be, you just want to, like, check out, zone out that laziness that's indolence. Then there's the laziness that is um, busyness, where you stay so busy that you couldn't possibly do dharma. You're just too busy. And then there's uh, the uh, laziness that is self-denigration, where you say, oh, I'm not good enough to do dharma. These are three kinds of laziness. Now, what's really interesting about this is that I feel, when I hear about this, I don't feel that lamas or the Buddha are passing judgment any more than I would think that Newton was passing judgment when he said gravity exists. I mean, I really, I just can't. I can't blame Newton for, I didn't, Newton didn't invent gravity. He just described it. And I think that this is what's happening in Dharma is that the Buddha didn't invent these things. He's describing human nature in such a way that we might possibly recognize ourselves. And self honesty is so important. Self honesty is so important because we have so many sneaky ways to hide the truth from ourselves, so many ways to lie to ourselves. I mean, it, let me count the ways. We have so we have such an, an incredibly brilliant, intelligent, sharp mind that we can hide the truth from ourselves and lie to ourselves in all kinds of ways and think we can get away with it. But when the teachers then come and say, by the way, self-honesty, and they show us our defects or defects that we could choose to recognize in ourselves or not, that's so that would be my answer it's about it's about encouraging self-honesty i don't think the teachers are judging us they have no interest in that they actually have no they have nothing to gain teachers have nothing to gain by judging us they only have the they only have uh, all they're trying to do ever is poke us a little so we stop lying to ourselves and wake up so okay okay thanks yeah Uh, Okay, I know, because see, the reason I know the answer to this is because I am very clever and I have lied to myself so many different ways and denied the truth in so many different ways. I could write a book. (laughs) I mean, it's awful. It's awful what we do to ourselves to hold ourselves back. I mean, seriously. What we do to ourselves to hold ourselves back, if an external human being did it to us, We'd say it was cruelty. Anyway, sorry, don't get me started. <laughs> okay, thank you. Those were excellent questions. So thank you for that. Let's uh, let's sit quietly for a moment. Feeling gratitude for everyone here. We dedicate the merit that has been accumulated in this session. May all beings see Dharma as a possible path, take it to heart, practice it, and then practicing it, may they become Buddhas and then emanate in all directions and benefit sentient beings endlessly. We dedicate the goodness with this thought in mind. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Um, I will see you next week. I think Lama Tom will be here teaching, and he's going to continue his uh, series on the six perfect virtues. And uh, he's already talked about patience, so you know what's next. Diligence. Okay. Thank you.